Don't you love this team? Wow, we're blessed to have him. The whole team, all you artists are amazing. Jared, thank you for your work, all of you. Welcome to Adventure. If you're visiting, my name's Scott. I'm one of the pastors, and today we're going to talk about supernatural prayer. Supernatural prayer. I mean where you see crazy stuff happen. Crazy stuff. Stuff you never imagined. I'm always reminded of one time when we prayed in my home. We were looking for a home. We couldn't compete for a home. We just needed more space. We had a small family of four boys and 1,600 square foot. And we needed a little more space. And my wife said, I'm just going to pray. And if God has a house for us, he's going to bring it to us. And honestly, I thought that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I'm not kidding. In my head, I didn't dare say it. And the next day, we got a phone call from a friend who had a friend who had a house that was the dream home my, my wife wanted. And I'm telling you, I think God answers prayers like that. It was the smartest thing she could have ever said. Extraordinary strength for everyday battles. We're going to talk about supernatural prayer and ask the question, how then should we pray? How do we pray? And I think the first thing we have to remember is what David West said last week. We want to assume that we're, that the number one goal in life is a cruise ship mentality. And that is that we have a lanyard that we just flash and everyone serves us, right? That's kind of the default nature, our default nature. And yet David reminded us last week, oh no, we are on a battleship. We're in a spiritual war constantly. And if, if you're not sold on that, listen to one of the early writers who met Jesus face to face and hear how he described the kind of battle we're in. When I get to the red, if you'd join me, that'd be great. Here we go. Stand firm then with the belt of truth, buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We are in a spiritual warfare. Today is practice. Tomorrow is the battle. Monday is the battle. And, and the battle we face is a battle of whether of answering the question, hey, am I in the right place? Do I belong here? Do I belong at work? Do I belong in the neighborhood I'm in? Do I have what it takes to become what others expect of me? We're asking those kind of questions. Is the suffering I'm facing or others that others are facing, is it indicative of God's absence or of his close proximity to what we're going through? Can I truly love myself? And can I love others with the unconditional love that Jesus wants me to love them with? These are challenges we face each and every day. Can I continue to improve and get better as a husband, as a wife, as a businesswoman, as a businessman? Can I continue to improve? Can I serve the people I'm called to serve at the level that Jesus wants me to serve them at. These thoughts go through our head all the time. Or if you're a young mom, will my baby ever sleep? <laughs> will I ever get more than two hours night's rest? These are questions that we ask all the time. 
will my child heal? Will my husband's pain get better? All the time. We're in a spiritual battle every day. And how does Paul tell us to engage in that battle? What is the trick to experiencing extraordinary strength in everyday battles? The trick is in the next verse. The words of Paul, Jesus' most ambitious leader and prolific writer of the first century, wrote this. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. For who? For all the Lord's people. Pray for one another constantly. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. The question we're asking today is, how then do we pray? Because if you're honest, sometimes we don't know what to say. Anybody? Like, how do you do this? And some people seem so more, so much more advanced in prayer than we are. And we don't dare want to even be around them because they make us uncomfortable. Maybe you can relate to this. Dude. I remember going to church as an adult, right, for the first time when I started going to church. And I would walk in and the pastor was like, he said, I want you to pray with your neighbor. And I'm like, well, my neighbor don't go to this church. I don't know. You, to... you want me to call my neighbor on the phone? That's creepy. I ain't going to do that. Right, then they explained to me, right, your neighbor is a person sitting next to you. Listen, I'm brand new at this Christian stuff. I don't, not, I didn't even know you're supposed to pray out loud, let alone with this lady. I don't even know this lady. What am I supposed to pray about? Lord, help these bumps go down on this lady's face. I don't know what to, I don't know what to pray about. I don't know what I'm supposed to pray about, right? She went first. She was praying all good and she must have been John the Baptist's little sister or something. <laughs> she was like, Dear Heavenly Father, you said in your word in the sixth chapter, the third, third verse of the book of Matthew, the 601st word on page 1248. <laughs> Lord, you said, But seek, S is in search, E is in everywhere, E is in excellent, K is in kingdom. <laughs> You're the Alpha Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. I'm thinking, Man, she even knows his nicknames. Now, it's my turn to pray, right? But I don't got the spiritual vocabulary to just... But I'm not going to let her out-pray me. So I'm like, okay, God, first of all, you are good people. You know, you are good, Lord. You are good. You are good to the last drop, Lord. Because, um, Lord, I, I just got to obey my thirst, Lord. You know, because choosy moms choose Jesus. So, Lord, because... You know, as the, rec- as the rocket's red glare, Lord, it gave proof to the night, Lord. I believe I can fly, amen. Anybody can relate to that guy? The guy knows what he's talking about, doesn't he? How then do we pray? I mean, what do we, what do we need to do to experience extraordinary strength in everyday life because each and every day you have stress you have challenges we all do how do you how do you rise with courage every day courage to like you know what 
greater is, is he that's in me than he that's in the world. God can do something in me and through me that I can't imagine myself. He, he, has, he believes in me more than I believe in myself. How can we have that kind of courage? How can we have that kind of love where we're, we're like, hey, you know what? This coworker, this family member, they stress me out, but I'm just going to love them. I don't want to, but I'm just going to love them. How do you get that kind of extraordinary strength for everyday battles? And the answer is we pray. How do we pray? How do we pray? This is one of my favorite characters on prayer. I know Morgan Freeman isn't God, but I think he's a good symbol of God in Evan Almighty because he's a listener. He's, he's gentle. He's, he's compassionate, empathetic. He, he's not judgmental. He's, he's smart, wise, strategic. He knows that, that what you're being asked of, that's what being, that what's being asked of you is a lot, but like God, he supports you and wants to see you win. I think before we talk about really how to pray, it's important to acknowledge who we're praying to. What that, the nature of our Heavenly Father is like. I think it's really critical because it will actually, you'll find yourself drawn in to want to be with him. Here's a couple pieces that we learned from Jesus. Prayer is a conversation like no other. Jesus said when he's describing his father and, and our ability to approach him in prayer, he uses some kind of uh, first world agricultural language here. Jesus says, which of you, your fathers, if your son asks you for a fish, will give him a snake instead? He's trying to clarify, understand the nature of God. He has your best interest in mind all the time. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. I mean, think about the universe, universal timeless truth of this teaching on prayer. God has your desires and best interest, his will, his kingdom in mind. If you then, though you are evil, our nature, we have a, a default mode that's very selfish. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, anybody good at giving good gifts to their children? Maybe not spending the money, but you know what kind of gifts would be good if you were to. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, say it with me, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Isn't that interesting? What a twist. We think we need maybe possessions and positions, and Jesus is saying what you need is my Spirit in you. You need more of my Spirit. More courage, more love, more self-control. When Jesus describes an earthly father, he's, this, this father is a picture of his heavenly father. It comes from the prodigal son story. You may be very familiar with it. Prodigal son story. Recorded by uh, uh, Luke alone. And this prodigal son has returned from a long journey, and his younger brother is bitter because... The older brother is getting parties. They're throwing big parties for him. There's rappers like Brian Jokes there. I mean, it's a big old party. And the younger brother's bitter and jealous and envious. And his father has a conversation with him that I think is a bird's eye view of the nature of our Heavenly Father. 
This is what this father says to his bitter younger son. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. Do you have a heavenly father like that? Are you aware that he is always available to you? That if if you've believed in his one and only son, you have very personal VIP access to his altar, to his presence. And do you realize the kind of authority he has? All authority is his. You have that kind of privilege. He loves you, and you can approach him, the throne of grace as it's called, with great boldness and confidence like a child. So this is, this is the, the, the conversation that we have with our Father. This is how it sets up. How do we pray? All the time and in agreement with God's Word. We want to pray in agreement with God's Word. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And so ideally, when you read a psalm, it can become a prayer for you. You can literally pray a psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You make me lie down in green pastures. Make me still beside waters. You restoreth my soul. Pray in agreement with the scriptures. And pray all the time. Now there are different myths about prayer. Misunderstandings I want to just talk about. There's six of them. The first is that longer is better. You keep it long-winded, then he really can hear you. Not true. Here's a few examples. Jesus said, when talking about prayer, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. That's Jesus commenting on prayer. Many words does not necessarily mean God can hear you now. Here's here's one of my favorite prayers prayed by Abraham, Samuel, and Jesus himself. Here's the prayer. Hang with me. Here I am. That's the prayer. Those three words illustrate the most submissive posture towards God. Here I am. It's what Abraham said to God when God was being at, when when Abraham was being tested by God. Here I am. It's what Samuel said to God when he heard God's voice. Here I am. And he followed it with, speak, your servant listens. They're the words of Jesus that he prayed, recorded in Hebrews, when Jesus said, Here I am, a body thou hast prepared for me. Sacrifices and offerings you haven't requested, but obedience you've asked of me. One very brief prayer you could pray in the morning with your Father, Here I am. Just open with that. It's a great opener, and just listen. Here I am. Another is the prayer of Jesus. On one occasion, he said, uh, What should I say? Should I not accept this cup given to me? And he said, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. And he says this, Father, glorify your name. Are you facing a really tough challenge right now? Why don't you just kind of step aside from it and say, Father, you glorify your name. Whatever the net result is here, you bring glory to your name. It's it's a powerful prayer. Because it was followed by an audible voice that a crowd heard that the Heavenly Father said, I have glorified your name, and I will continue to glorify your name. It's a great prayer. Father, glorify your name. You're taking a test tomorrow? Father, glorify your name. And forgive me for not studying more. 
The next is one a lot of us are familiar with, the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. You won't go wrong with the Lord's Prayer. One of my friends uh, at Adventure who has tons of responsibility at work says that uh, he prays this every day. Every day. And I thought we'd do it together. Here we go. You may not be able to read because of the font. So just give it a shot, okay? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. A prayer you can pray every day. The prayer of Jabez, which is a prayer I think that with, with, if you have prayed a prayer like the Lord's Prayer, when you understand your position before God, that our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You can pray the prayer of Jabez with the right posture and it not be a self-absorbed, absorbing prayer. The prayer of Jabez is this, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. Does that not sound nice? Enlarge my influence. Enlarge my work. Enlarge the, uh, my territory. Enlarge my sales. I don't think there's anything wrong with praying for that. Especially if you're doing it in such a way that God can be glorified. When you have the right position towards God, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You can pray, Lord, enlarge my territory so I can have influence for you, so I can serve more, so I can share my faith more, so I can give more, so I can be more influential in this very brief life that we have. The first is longer is better. The second is big words are better. Use big words when you pray. Not true. We do not know what we ought to pray for often. You ever sit down and just like, ugh. Right? I don't have anything to say. Guess what? There's nothing wrong with that. You know why? If you're a Christian, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And that spirit will communicate with His Spirit in heaven, on your behalf. Paul wrote, We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless, wordless groans. Bigger words don't make a difference. Sometimes the Spirit will speak to Jesus, the Spirit in you will speak to Jesus, without words at all. Just because you're not saying anything doesn't mean that the Spirit is not communicating with Jesus in you. Fascinating, isn't it? Third myth, you have to end with, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus is synonymous with praying according to God's will. And we're told, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Well, what's his will? How do I pray? Here's some prayers that are his will. Heavenly Father, help me love my spouse and my friends and my neighbors like Jesus did. Help me love my neighbor as myself. Guess what? Jesus is going to answer that prayer. You know why? It's his will. How about this prayer? Jesus, help me do my work tomorrow 
as unto you with all my might, not as serving men, but serving you. Guess, guess who's going to answer that prayer? Jesus is. How come? It's His will. Lord, I pray that you would bring hope and comfort to families who've lost loved ones. He's going to answer that prayer. It's His will. He's the God of all hope, the God of all comfort. When you pray according to His will, He answers those prayers. How about this prayer? I pray for my children every day. Lord, give my sons hearts wholly devoted to You. Give them that heart. And for the married one, and help him fight for his wife, for his wife's heart. I don't mean battle. I mean pursue her. Give her gifts. Take care of her. You pray those prayers. They're according to his will. He hears them. Pray according to his will. He hears them. Fourthly, I don't need to pray in private. I'm too busy. I got too much going on. Listen to how Jesus describes the reward opportunity we have in private. It's unique. He says this, When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Every time I sit down for quiet time by myself, there's reward there. And this is a consistent teaching throughout the first century documents. For Paul himself said that it takes faith to pursue God. And when we do, he's a rewarder of those who pursue him. There's a reward there. Who wouldn't want to sit down with someone that was in the generosity reward mindset to bless you? I do all the time. And fifthly, I don't need to pray in public. Now, how many of you are like, amen, don't want to do that? I totally understand that. But what about praying with your spouse? What about praying with your children? I'm not asking you to come up on the platform, but what about praying with the people that, that you fight for, that you love deeply? One more. I'll pray later. You know what that is? <laughs> it's a lie. You're not going to pray. <laughs> not always. Boy, I tell you, when you get a prompting from the Spirit to pray for someone, do it. Do it. There, most people won't be offended, offended if you say, hey, can I pray for you? If you're at work, it's probably not appropriate. Uh, but when, when you can tell someone struggling to pause and say, can I pray for you? And just say a brief prayer for them. Do you know why most people aren't offended when you offer to pray for them? Because 98% of Americans say they pray on a regular basis. So people are praying. Something very special about, about praying for others. Here's the application and the challenge for tomorrow. Are you ready? How many of you like to be challenged? You like something to do? Don't just talk to me. Give me something to do. You ready? Here it is. Tomorrow morning. This is practice. Tomorrow's what? It's the battle, right? Tomorrow morning, get up with your roommates or your family. Circle up for five minutes and pray together. How many of you are like, wish I didn't come this morning? Here's the deal. Circle up, and here's the trick. Pray for the person on your right. Okay? If you live alone, find someone, maybe, maybe a, a friend at work or a friend in the neighborhood. But tomorrow, commit five minutes. And remember, your prayer can be brief. It can be what? Here I... Okay? How many of you are in for that tomorrow? Okay. I probably wasn't clear. 
Here's the application. Tomorrow, you can find five minutes to circle up. Can you find five minutes to circle up as roommates or a family and pray for the person on your right? How many of you are in? You'll do it. Okay? All right. Well, percentages are going up. Great. Let's do it. Okay? For those of you that didn't raise your hand, those of you that did, make certain to include them. Number two. So the first is pray all the time and in agreement with God's word. As you learn God's word, you just pray it, and you can pray it with great confidence. The second is this. Pray for people more than possessions and positions. You are not going to go wrong praying for people at all. Paul said this in his letter. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. It's a win when you're praying for God's people. Whether they're in this church or another church or your extended family, you pray for them constantly. And the Lord is going to answer your prayers. There's two ideas that are always in God's will. Two ideas. Here they are. Pray for people to reconcile with God. We want to see God, we want to see people brought back to God. People have been disenfranchised, burned by the church, turned off by the church, whatever. We want to see them reconciled with God. God wants to see that too. But secondly, we want to pray for people to reconcile with each other. Do you know anyone that needs to reconcile with each other? Pray for them. Pray that they would reconcile with each other. That is, when that happens, it's a great, great victory. It's a battle getting there, but it's a great victory. There's two attitudes that make prayer effective. Firstly, pray like a child that believes in their father. When I pray for someone that's facing a mortal illness, I pray believing. I pray believing strongly. By the way, we did get a report on someone on the East Coast today, uh, Paul Smith Jr., uh, on the East Coast today, who has had stage 4 cancer at age 50, uh, and he was cleared this week. We've been praying for him for about three months. They said there's no cancer right now. And we're just like, awesome. We give God the credit for that. We appreciate modern medicine big time, but we first consult our Father in Heaven and appreciate our medical doctors. Let me be very clear there. There's an occasion in, in, in the narratives of people getting healed where God actually was offended that one king wouldn't consult God himself, just wanted to consult the doctors. And God said, that's why I'm not healing you. Is you're putting all your faith in modern medicine and not me, the healer. And so we want to do both. We want to put the Lord first and then listen to our doctors. Does that make sense? Okay, so it's not... It's not either or. It's both and, but it's putting the Father, our healer, first. So pray like a child who believes in their Father. And Jesus said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like a little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I want to give you an example. In the ministry of Dr. Helen Rosalie, medical doctor to Zaire, Africa, I want to give you an example of how a child's prayer was ridiculously answered in a miraculous way. Check this out. As well as organizing the school, another part of Helen's work was supervising the maternity unit. Day and night, expectant mothers arrived from the villages. Often there were emergencies requiring surgery. Sleepless nights and perpetual tiredness became a way of life. But occasionally, something very special happened. This reminds me of a story 
and I hadn't been out here very long. I was called over one night to the maternity, and despite everything we did very sadly, the mother died. We were left with a little tiny baby, much smaller than this little thing, little premature baby, and I knew that the problem to keep the little baby alive was to keep it warm enough. So people midwives, one went out to get the boxes we used to use as cots, the cotton wool to wrap the little baby in, put hot water bottles either side of it to keep it warm. And one girl came back into the room and said, terribly sorry, doctor, we boiled the kettle, we took the hot water bottle, we were filling the bottle, sudden bang, burst hot water bottle. And she added, it's our last hot water bottle. And the next day at midday, I went to have prayers with the orphanage children, as I always did, any of the kiddies who wanted to gather around for prayer time. And uh, I'd given them different things to pray for. And then I mentioned this little baby and asked them to pray for the nurses that they'd be able to stay awake all night to see the baby didn't get cold. Told them about the burst hot water bottle. And the baby had a little two-year-old sister who was crying because her mummy had died. So during prayer time, different children prayed. And then one little girl, 10-year-old Ruth, prayed in the usual very blunt way of our African children, please God, send us a hot water bottle. Now God, be no good tomorrow, please send it this afternoon. And when I sort of swallowed, uh, she added, while you're about it, God, would you send a dolly to the little two-year-old sister so it should know that Jesus really loves her? Quite truthfully, I, I didn't say amen because I didn't believe it could be done. And that very afternoon, a truck drove into the village, dumped a parcel for me on the veranda and went. And when I got over to my home, it was the first parcel I ever received from England. There it was, done up in paper, string, stamps, etc. And I think I felt a lump in my throat. I felt I couldn't open it alone, so I called all the orphanage children. There was a great crowd around me. We opened the parcel, we pulled out lovely knitted jerseys, bandages, soap, and as I put my hand down into the parcel, I pulled out the brand new rubber hot water bottle. I cried. I hadn't asked God for it. I didn't really believe he could do it. Ruth was in the front line of children. She rushed forward, said, if God sent the hot water bottle, he must have sent the dolly. And she dived into the parcel with both hands. From the bottom of the parcel, she pulled out the dolly. And she looked up at me with bright eyes. Mummy, she said, can I go with you and give that dolly to the little girl? She'll know that Jesus really loves her. Pray like a child. I'll ask you here in a few minutes, but uh, how's God asking you to pray like a child? With tremendous faith. Tremendous faith. Jesus is asking us to pray like a child. He's also asking us and coaching us to pray like a warrior. Pray like a warrior who expects a battle. In Jesus' last lengthy prayer, recorded by one of the eyewitnesses, John, he said this, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, that's us, but that you protect them from the evil one. Protect them. We want to pray like a child, but we also want to pray like a warrior who knows that it's going to be rough. We're going to have to sometimes keep on praying. We're going to have to accompany our prayer with fasting sometimes. Some of our our efforts are going to require counseling for those we're praying for, and advanced medical research, and and. And we're going to have to continue to follow up. We need to make certain they're in a small group and they're getting cared for. We, fight like, we pray like a warrior. And we pray like a child. Now here's 
the question, what impossible prayer is God calling you to pray? If you haven't yet started a journal habit, most of my friends that do this love it and do it for decades. Boy, this is a great question to ask. Hey, what impossible prayer is God calling you to pray? I, I identified mine this week. What is yours? Lastly, pray for courage to speak and lead. Isn't that interesting? Pray for courage to speak and lead. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. You know, Paul, Paul was sharing the gospel in a synagogue. Then he would get beat up. I mean beat up. Then he would get up and he'd go to a Greek gathering and he would share the gospel. And then he would get beat up again. And the result would be, of those two beatings, he would start a church. What wasn't his prayer? Lord, please deliver, for me the, from the, deliver me from this and send a carnival cruise trip across the Mediterranean to rescue me. A lot of times, Paul says, pray that I have more courage. You know, we think we need to be delivered from a circumstance. Jesus thinks we need more courage. We think it's me in a better set of circumstances. Jesus says, no, it's Christ in you in the circumstance and in the moment you're in right now. It's more courage. It's not a different set of circumstances. God will use you where you're at in the moment you're in. How do you know you're at the right place? What is the formula for courageous living? Here it is. Believing that you have a calling from God for this moment. Not just this location, but for this moment at your job, in your community, in this city atmosphere, that you're here for this moment specifically and uniquely. Secondly, do you believe you have a calling for the people that you're closest to? Do you believe that you have a calling for your neighbors, a calling for your coworkers, a calling for your immediate and extended family? Do you have a calling for them? And finally, do you believe that you have the favor of God without earning it? You don't follow favor, favor follows you. Do you have that kind of confidence in the moment that you're in to have courage and to lead? God will give it to you. It's a reward for pursuing him. We're approaching Easter, and we want to be praying for our friends, co-workers, neighbors. And so we've given you our prayer card for our upcoming Easter services. We just want to ask that you would list those people at work, those people in your neighborhood that you are loving, that you've been blessing, that you've been doing life with in the last year. Pray that they might accept your invitation to come to one of our three Easter services. In a matter of weeks, we included invites for you here. We're doing this because we actually agree that the most supernatural act you can do is inviting someone to church. It's an incredible opportunity to change their family tree forever. Maybe some of the people with whom you've, you've been doing life in the last 12 to 18 months might accept your invitation and you could change their family tree by giving them a chance to meet Jesus. Reach out to them for one of our three Easter services. Here's the application. Where do you need to take a risk for God? Where do you need to take a risk for God?
If fear's plaguing you, Jesus wants to help you with fear. He's overcome everything. He would often say to his disciples, I know there's a storm here and it's life-threatening, but why are you afraid? I know you could lose your life here, but why are you afraid? I've overcome everything. Don't be afraid. This is a good journal question. Where do I need to take a risk for God? Imagine yourself having a childlike prayer warrior mindset and all the time and in agreement with God's word, seeing God answer incredible prayer requests. Imagine that. Not just for you, but for your immediate extended family, for your neighbors, seeing him answer prayers. Imagine praying for people more than possessions and positions. Praying for people more than possessions and positions, constantly. Imagine praying for courage in the moment you're in to speak and to lead. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Imagine what would happen if you would prioritize meeting with your Heavenly Father who says, I'm always with you, and all I have is yours. There's a reward for pursuing your Father in secret, because your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the incredible opportunity we have to sit down with you and to be loved by you to be forgiven by you to be told that we have what it takes that people can change that you're present in our suffering that you love us that we can love ourselves and we can love others unconditionally that we have the spirit in us that can help us continue to get better and smarter and stronger. Lord Jesus, help us be people of prayer.